I need to spend right. more time at the beach. We, I've been being pretty productive. Uh, I need to make some more beach time. But yeah, we're having a good time. You know, I've been to Bulgaria several times as well. Yeah. And I really like Bulgarian food and wine. So we've just kind of been hitting up a lot of really good restaurants. We're on the seaside. So lots of good seafood. And they're making me be productive. I mean, I've been more productive lately. Right. <laughs> Joined the co-working space. But you also need to you need to break it up and you need to get some good food in and continue the business that way. So it's Yeah, uh, tomorrow we're taking the day off and going on a wine tour for a half day anyway. Man, that's so good. That would be my ideal way to, to break today. And then Bulgarian wine's pretty good. Quite like it. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the food in Bulgaria yeah. as well. I actually it's a lot a lot of pork and a lot a lot of the kind of food I like. It's it's heavy, but I, I kinda like that. So, uh, some of it's heavy, but I, I also think they do really great salads here, like especially in the summer when all the vegetables are in season and so yeah. fresh. The, and um, also, I think Bulgaria does really good on all their little dips and spreads appetizers. Yeah, usually yeah. every dinner we have like four to six of these little dips and spreads all over the table yeah. and uh, with big, big, fresh salads. So, uh, I like and here like grilled fish and stuff since we're on the seaside so it hasn't been super heavy probably okay. in the winter i think a lot of their winter dishes are heavier yeah it's a bit pretty hot in the summer there so i guess time for the salads what's the name of it's gone for me this the top salad in bulgaria so chop shopka shopska 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 that's the one yeah yeah that's pretty famous i think everybody will mention that if you say bulgarian food or bulgarian I eat salads almost one of those a day probably oh, yeah right. i'm eating about one of those a day yeah they're really good right and what uh what are your top dishes what's your top top three dishes in bulgaria right now um because it's hot outside they have a really good cold yogurt soup territory oh yeah fantastic. that i really lovely. like yeah lovely um yeah, yeah, the, um, uh, the cucumber and yogurt soup. That's very good. You know, Bulgarian yogurt in general is super famous. I don't awesome. know if you know. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Is, do you, uh, do you yeah. know about the, the Bulgarian versus Greek yogurt controversy? I haven't heard the con- I know they're, okay, maybe saying they're similar is the wrong words to use, but they're high fat content, kind of, they're supposed to be much better for you, promote longevity, things like that. I, I eat Greek yogurt all the time. Bulgarian yogurt. Well, don't tell Bulgarian Bulgaria. that. Well, it, it's it's easier to get the Greek stuff because it's I guess it's more marketed abroad. You know, the Bulgarian yogurt you can never I, find. Yeah, that's largely their point that their the Greek yogurt is not actually better. That uh, they just have like a better marketing team. There you go. Um, which is why it's gotten to be yeah, why it's gotten to be more famous. Um, love the Shopska salad. That's one of my favorites. Um, the banitsa. Did you try that when you were here? Banita, yeah. Remind me what the banita is again. Um... Uh, it's a pastry. A lot of time. well, it's you can have cheese in it. Uh, that they have at breakfast a lot. Yeah, and uh, you know, all over. That's heavy. <laughs> all over Eastern Europe, they have chivapshi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Chivapshi and all the the grilled pork sausages. Yeah. Um, awesome. I really like moussaka here. It's really now, there's good. A great, good. What's the difference between the Greek moussaka and the Bulgarian moussaka? The Greek moussaka seems to have a lot more. I've only had the Bulgarian one here once recently. Actually, Mitko's wife Sarah made it for us. Um, the Greek one seems to have a lot more eggplant. Seems to be eggplant based. Okay, okay. There you this go. one's mostly potatoes. 
Right, learning. I'm learning that we put that we put yogurt yogurt all over the top of. I I read some reports. I'm sure it was research based on research, but uh, they found uh, the Bulgarians had this high life expectancy, and they kind of narrowed it down to some some bacteria uh, because they eat a lot of heavy Bulgarian yogurt. Who knows? It's famous here. Go for it. I just eat it anyway. It's great, you know. But uh, I love it on savory dishes, which I don't think we think to put it on a lot of savory dishes yeah. back home. Yeah. But you know, like I was saying, like moussaka with like a big spoonful of yogurt, like on top of hot moussaka. So the foodie flashpacker is that still your main business driver? I the guess? only. Yeah. The only. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The only. That's good. Yeah. Well. yeah. Keeping the focus. That. Yeah. How's that going? Yeah, there were some ideas and. The- it's rebounding thank god okay. you know it was it was really rough um mm. last year was not great clearly with the pandemic yeah, when you have yeah, a yeah. travel website and no one's allowed to travel mm-hmm. um so rebounding thing things are going well uh you know there's a couple of ideas for other projects uh some things that i kind of started considered starting but right now with covid uh the the blog is the only thing i'm got going on at the moment Okay. And do you consider yourself more a travel blogger or a food blogger? Uh, or ne- or neither. I don't even know. Travel blog. Yeah. <laughs> I call it a food focused travel blog, but, um, cool. you know, I would say more it has, because I think a lot of times when people say food blogging, what they're thinking of is recipe blogging. Recipes, yeah. 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 So, and you know, I don't do anything with recipes. So my site is, you know, about, uh, what to eat and where to find it around the world. So, you know, it has, it has both, you know, it has the travel aspect. We have lots of, you know, things to do in whatever city, but also, you know, best restaurants of is mm. the biggest traffic driver for the site. And then, you know, there'll be, once I leave Bulgaria, there'll be a post about Bulgarian food, which will be, uh, you know, what to eat in Bulgaria and where to, where to eat it. I'll be looking forward to that. I think I gained like three kilos doing the research for this one already. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, feel bad for you. Yeah. But yeah, no, uh, I think food focused travel blogger is is probably covers all the bases there and really i suppose it does say explain what you do because you've stayed on niche i guess i remember an interview you had with with johnny fd back in the day and i think he started the interview in tbilisi was it in tbilisi yeah okay cool yeah yeah yeah. we uh, we recorded that in his in his apartment in tbilisi the the first (laughs) question i think the first thing he said to you was uh you know, I usually don't have any time for travel bloggers. And, and you said something like, oh, are they worse than drop shippers. And, you know, I, I just thought it was really funny. I didn't, he didn't tell me when that, um, when that podcast went live, he, he didn't give me a heads up. And, yeah. you know, of course we recorded it probably a month or something in advance. And I didn't even remember making the comment. And I, my, my, I got like probably five, six, seven, eight or whatever. They're like, oh my God, your opening line on that podcast was hilarious. And I had to go yeah. like listen to it. Uh, yeah, he said something to the fact that, you know, like he didn't hang out with travel bloggers because he finds him annoying. And I was like, That's more than dropshipper. More than drop. Right back at you, Johnny. <laughs> and like, he's a travel blogger now. I mean, the guy is just, I, I, or is it finance guru? I, I stopped paying attention. I remember that line when, when he asked you about being a travel or food travel blogger. I got blogger, quite a yeah. few comments about that line. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. I got yeah, quite yeah. a few comments on that. Definitely consider you to be a travel blogger because you are looking at the food and you know cuisine is so important to a place you can't really understand the culture without knowing the language and i think the food how do you make money from being a travel blogger for somebody who doesn't know how to do it uh, or somebody who's interested i mean there's there's lots 
Yeah, there's lots of ways. If you want to know specifically how I make money, it's yep. the, largely is advertising and affiliates. Yeah, advertising revenue is my number one. Affiliates, my number two. Now that I feel like we have uh, steady systems in place for advertising, some good SOPs in for uh, the the content that drives ad revenue. Now we've really started to crank up working on uh, content for affiliate revenue. Cool. But you know, other other people, there's tons of ways. And I used to previously. Uh, I have I have a fairly large uh, Instagram following, and I used to make quite good money getting paid press trips and selling, you know, uh, advertising spots on my Instagram or things like this. Um, yeah, for a while before my advertising kicked off, I was doing mostly paid press trips. Is how I was making good money: paid press trips and advertising. And now, uh, you know, the best paid press trips are normally in the United States. Uh, I wasn't traveling to the uh, States. I did a couple of press trips, but not in the States. They were lower paid. Uh, so now, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't think I've made money off paid press trips in probably six months. And it used to be my number one source of income. So it can wow. change, you know, other people are developing. Yeah. Other people are developing products. Other people are leading tours. Um, people are selling t-shirts, people have, uh, all, all these different things. But for me, it's, uh, advertising and affiliates. Is there much money in press trips? Yeah. I mean, I, I know the larger the following, the more that, uh, you, you can charge. Uh, I mean, I definitely, I got a contract sent to me by mistake for, um, a press trip that, you know, it was for another influencer and, you know, I saw what they were getting paid. It was much more than myself, but they were charging $5,000 per day. It's great to have that knowledge, right? So that's a little bit of inside information and it gives you a bit of... To me with my bargaining position. <laughs> exactly. And the next thing you did was check how many Instagram followers they have and... Uh, uh, of course, of course, yeah, of course, and, and scale it. Figure it out. Yeah, perfect. All right, that's interesting. The the the, the reason I ask is just if speaking of scaling, uh, it's not a thing you can scale. You can't replicate yourself, and there's only a certain number of press trips you can do per year. So I'd imagine you, you really gotta be sure which ones you take and get try to get the most lucrative ones, or you're gonna end up burnt out if you're just like going for the minimum. Yeah, you know, and and now it's the thing. Um, for a long time, I, I would flat refuse to take any unpaid press trip. You know, I, I was kind of like very much against it. But now I've worked a lot on my passive income streams. And now I've almost circled back where now that I have passive income streams in place, I would actually consider taking some unpaid press trips if they were to like a dream destination. Yeah. You know, if, if, if they were – yeah, you know, if, if someone offered me Bora Bora – but they don't have a budget, but you know, they're going to, they're going to give you flights, hotels and tours for free, but they don't have a budget to pay you. You know, at this point I would jump on it because I do have enough things going in the background. that's making me money where I can kind of go pursue some of these things that may not make me as much money, but things that I would just really like to do regardless. I was listening to a travel blogger talk about this and they'd never take the paid trips, but I just thought exactly what you just told me. Um, if you have, the facility, if you've got the possibility of putting all its content on your website from an amazing place like that, but you're getting sent there for free, you're not making any money out of it then, but you're going to make money out of it for a long time afterwards based on the extra content you can put on the blog posts, the Instagram stuff. The traffic uh, and the affiliate sales from, from that, yeah. And if anybody's listening... If and they want to send me to Bora Bora, I'll do it for free. I'm just just putting that out there. I've come I've come completely full circle on them because in the beginning I would take every unpaid press trip just because yeah. I was like you know new blogger 
so happy to have just been invited. I, you know, I went to a couple of press trips where I paid my own flights to get there. Not only was yeah. it unpaid, yeah. you know, I paid my own flights to get there. And then I became very anti, no, if I'm working, I'm getting paid. Do not, you know, do not approach me with anything that is unpaid. And now I'm kind of back to like, well, well, where, where are we maybe talking mm -hmm. about going? You know, mm -hmm. like, let me know. The and I actually had a yeah. phone call. Um, I won't, I won't say the destination by name in case they end up listening to this. I had a phone call and they were trying to push back. And, you know, I told them I would not do an unpaid press trip. And, uh, she's, she said, that's fine. And then she got me on a phone call with all the, you know, kind of upper executive people between the destination and the, uh, PR company that was going to be and then they waited till they had me on the phone with everyone and said, you know, push back again and said, you know, now is there any way uh, that you would do this as an unpaid trip after I had, you know, already gotten through the first filter and told her no. And I just said, yeah, you know, I would do for like a Bora Bora, but your XYZ location in uh, Florida is not a dream destination for me, you know, and, and yours is something that's going to cost you money. And they just said, okay, yeah, we get it. I wonder how much thought and how much energy they expend trying to convince you to do it for free, whether whereas if they just said, okay, we're going to pay you and just be done with it, you know? I also used to have like a hard and fast rule. Uh, I will never let someone's PR company tell me they don't have a budget. If you can afford a PR company, you can afford to pay influencers. And if you're having your PR company reach out and tell me you don't have a budget. I don't think you're to the point where you yet need a PR company. <laughs> I think you should scale it back down. Yeah. <laughs> and, wow, and to, okay. you know, yeah, yeah. It's just, it was like, it just irked me to no end for someone's PR company to say, we don't have a budget for that. I think you need to put that on your contact page uh, on the website. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of websites, you've changed your website theme. Is that right? Because I think it was, it was different the last time I saw it. Um, yeah, yeah. I've, um, you know, another one of these like built for a fill, uh, advertising income. Like I said, advertising income is my number one. My, I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with Mediavine. Yeah, I use Mediavine. You know, I've. So, yeah. do you know about Trellis? I'm sure you yeah. know about Trellis. Is yours on Trellis? Yeah, yeah. This is Trellis. Yeah, I thought so because I looked at it before. I'm not a fan. It's just too basic for me. And I know it's ridiculously fast. I can, I know that because there's nothing on it and it just cuts everything else yeah. out. And, and most people are looking on mobile, you know. I just have this weird thing about the aesthetic of it. I find it a bit off-putting. Um, but, you know, I'm making more money. My site's the ugliest it's ever been. <laughs> yeah, my site's the ugliest it's ever been. I I stripped. I used to spend a lot of time and a sizable money investment on homepages and design and colors and blah blah blah, all yeah. this other stuff. And my site wasn't running fast. And then you know all the all the core metrics and everything that they're coming out with saying that site speed is yeah. uh, huge. Uh, actually, these these new ones, the, the ones that you're commenting on, they're new, and so we're still trying to optimize them for speed. But I mean, before. Trellis, I mean, I was getting scores of like 98 and 99 when I was running my speed test. And so, you know, I'm working with the developer now to get these new landing pages faster because they're not as fast as the yeah. ones that were on here. But the the site's as ugly as it's ever been, but it is built for speed and ad revenue. And I also have a theory. I don't think a lot of people see my homepage. My, yes. you know, my, yeah, yeah my content is, uh, it's all SEO. 
And yeah. so people are looking for where or what to eat in any certain destination. They hit my website. Uh, they're going to find a super a page that loads super fast. Uh, and I don't know that the majority of people that come to my website will ever see these home pages. So you know, I'm not. I'm no longer as concerned about uh, having a gorgeous site that you know with all these frills and video and everything else you know I, I i want it to be fast and functional and i want people to get on there and be able to find what they're looking for quickly and easily and you know at the same time generate ad revenue that's the right attitude i think especially for a content site like yours i deal with a lot of bloggers in my business also content publishers in general they seem to have the kind of concept of the most important pages backwards like in like it was in the old days and if you're a service company yeah possibly probably your homepage is the most important but for a content publisher like you or, or my content sites the posts are the most important thing then the pages and then the homepage the homepage is like the least important thing yeah. you're a bit of a brand now so people may look for you but they might they might look for nathan they might look look for a foodie flashbacker but they may end up on your about page or something like that instead or somebody else's page but it's it's unlikely they will want to see the homepage. Whereas, you know, I'm sure 99% of your traffic is just like to a one individual blog post. And then unfortunately, but this is just the nature of the internet, they'll probably bounce off and go somewhere else because that's the way people search. It's yeah. just, give me the answer. I go away. I'm not loyal. I have no loyalty to this blog. Occasionally, people will sign up for your email to, if they're a real fan or are you doing something that that uh, that works for them. But in general, it's, it's the opposite of what people want. So spending hours on your home, your homepage is, is often just, you know, a waste of time. Um, and yeah, especially if I, it I looks kinda great on divorce. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's all mobile as well. So people are only, you know, they're just seeing the text and the images. They don't see a sidebar. They don't even see the, uh, the logo. Yeah. They, they see nothing. It's just text and, and images. And if they get what they want, they're happy. Google's happy. The advert, the ad advertisers are happy as well. So yeah, it's, it's your site is, pretty fast now i can see that even on desktop here it's ripping along are you you're not using that grow me plugin are you for the um i, I can't see it here i disabled it yeah i disabled it i had it up for a while but it was conflicting because i have aweber and yeah. now i i received an email lately that said that they're supposed to be working seamlessly now uh we'll see i may reactivate it and see if it, it starts working but it was conflicting with my uh email subscription stuff so i for the moment, it's disabled. But I heard Grow Me is, you know, making people money. My email subscription shot up when I put it on. Like they went twenty x. Now I don't have a big email list for the the blog I'm thinking of, but it just generated a lot of emails. Now I'm yet to see if those people are engaged or they're just signing up because I pop something in front of them, which is the way it works. So the jury's out so far. I, I for anyone think... that's listening, that's using. For anyone, I don't, and I don't know if you've activated this on your own site, for anyone using Mediavine that's listening, um, I'm having really great results with the Universal Player right now. Did you activate this okay. for your site? I didn't. I had a look, but didn't get around um, to it. Okay. Yeah. My, my, my video revenue is considerably higher. How do you feel it changes the uh, user experience? Does it, does it make a big difference? Because I'm not a fan of videos um, when I browse on a website, you know? You know... I was on my own. I periodically go into to private browsing mode and go check out my own site. And the other day I was like, it's a bit annoying. You know, it is a bit annoying. But at the same time, you know, it's a balance between you want to have good user experience and 
keep people on your site and everything like this. And then also I'm like, this is free content for them. You know, this isn't a subscription site. This is free content and it costs me to produce this free content. So there has to be a trade-off where I, I don't want overly diminished user experience, but I mean, at this point with all of us and how often we use the internet, it's just gotten to the point where ads and videos are something we're getting used to seeing. And, you know, ads and videos are what allow me to keep producing this content to put it out for free for, for people. Ads and video is how I put food on the table. Ads and videos are how I keep a roof over my head. So, you know, I mean, do I personally love a bunch of ads and videos on a site? No, uh, I don't have it cranked up as high as it could go on Mediavine. You know, I could take it a bit higher, mm. but I think there's diminishing user experience. Um, but I have it at a, I had a, I have it at a point right now where I think it's just annoying enough that you're you're you know you're not going to click away. It's not that aggressive, but there has to be a trade-off for people getting this free content, and nothing is ever really free. And you know, I can either put you behind a paywall, and you can pay X amount of dollars per month, and you can visit the site ad-free, and there'll be no videos or anything pop up. Uh, or you're going to have to scroll past some ads and possibly close out a video if it doesn't interest you. And I guarantee you, if you start offering people to put them behind a paywall, they're not going to jump behind this paywall. I don't see it working with travel blogs, food blogs, recipe blogs. It's just not the kind of thing I, I see. It might work for the New York Times and the Guardian, but not, not, not everybody else. Um, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Mediavine, I think most of the people on Mediavine, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a, one of the one of the main ad networks it's not the biggest i don't think but uh, one of the main ad networks uh, i think most of the people are food bloggers and then i think it's travel bloggers so you kind of covered two 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 aspects of that um and one that i found out is huge that i i had no knowledge about uh is diy craft bloggers as well oh never heard of that okay yeah there seems to be a they medivine ran a thread about you know, or if someone posted a media vine and we have a private Facebook group, I'm sure you're in it. And it's saying like the highest earnings you ever had per month. And, you know, everybody was kind of humble bragging or whatever, posting how much they had ever made per month. And of course, you know, when you see these huge numbers, I, I'm all I'm clicking through and trying to find out what their site is and what they're doing to, you know, people bringing in $50,000 a month in ad revenue. And some of them were DIY craft bloggers. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, the internet's amazing for that. There's just niches that you would think are just, you know, not money spinners. Mommy they bloggers. They make a lot of money. Yeah. Mommy bloggers. Yeah. They're getting, oh man, these mommy yeah. bloggers are making so much they're, money. They're killing it. It's got to the point where guys are buying mommy blogger websites and building them up. I don't know if you've heard that, but uh, I think I think Spencer Hoss did that from Niche Pursuits. I think he did that. I won't, I don't want to quote him there but i i it's somebody he knows or, or or he did it with somebody and they bought a mommy blog i think it might have failed possibly because it's just two doesn't dudes, surprise two dudes running a mommy blogger so oh yeah it's kind of kind of weird well there's no trust or authority behind that yeah they're not gonna <laughs> have a lot of trust or authority um yeah. but yeah it doesn't surprise me because i yeah. saw a very popular very well-known travel blogger and uh, you know we're in the link exchange sites or whatever and he had started a niche site and he was like, can anyone, you know, can we swap links on a new breast pump site <laughs> that he had built? <laughs> you know, wow. it's like, uh, so he's not yeah, testing yeah. the products so, anyway, yeah. that way. 
Or maybe he is. Who knows? No, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think if there's only a certain point you can you can go to before it just everything he's going to have to outsource. Just going to have to outsource the whole thing, and then he can't talk yeah. about it. And somebody, I think somebody said before, um, you know, if you're going to do a niche, you got to be able to tell your grandma. You got to be able to tell your nan. Like, oh, by the way, you know, yeah. this is what I do all day. I work on breast pumps. Uh, okay, I don't know how comfortable I'd feel about that, but uh, you know. I mean, if it's someone pulling in done some grand keyword a month, research, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 and some of them probably do. Do you, do you think the business of travel blogging these days? The question always comes up: Is it saturated? But is it is it viable? Is it saturated? I think people can start now. Is something, you know, if you were going to do it now, do you have to buy an age domain? Do you have to do you have to actually be blogging what, what do you think is 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 the prerequisites today to to start something like what you're doing you know i don't know that i would tell a lot of people to start a travel blog you know i think i would advise people to do a niche site or a recipe site or something like that before i would do a travel blog and it's the same reason you know the my content has there's not a lot of personal content on there i used to try and do kind of more narrative writing and all that stuff and it just never took off for me and there's personality bloggers that do quite well, and I think they've been people that have been in the game for a long time. Uh, I don't know what kind of breakout voice, what someone would have to kind of hit hit the market with today that's going to captivate a large audience, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know that I would tell a lot of people to start a travel blog. I mean, definitely if you wanted to start a niche site or a recipe site or just something super niched down. I thought when I uh, started a food blog that, that I was like, okay, food is niche, you know, food travel is niche. But I think you need to be like paleo blogger, paleo you know, travel food blogger like or some, something. Yeah. 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 Something like this. Like, I mean, maybe you're not going to have a super big audience, but if you can have like an engaged audience, um, you know, some gluten-free or celiac or something like this. Uh, I think something like that, you know, super tight niche, maybe have a smaller but very engaged audience and just build up a lot of trust and authority with a smaller engaged audience. Um, and I think that I could see something like that doing well. I totally agree. Being the sort of, like they say, the big fish in the small pond is much better thing than the you know the minnow in the ocean because uh, okay that's probably sounds a bit weird but like if you're just travel blogging which i have a travel blog but i don't i don't monetize it it's just a hobby so i don't really care i write about whatever i want but i mean it's you know it's not niche it's just me writing about whatever and i can see from that that there's no way i'd, I'd make money out of it i'd kill myself uh, because it's just sort of travel maybe digital nomad or something like that but if i was to niche down into like you say something really specific and become the main player like the big fish in that area absolutely the internet's so big there's like so many people out there that are just interested in that one specific thing just look at reddit you know the smallest reddit subreddit uh the weirdest niches there have hundreds of thousands of people in them talking every day and you go oh my god there's yeah. that many people interested in this little weird topic uh and actually that's speaking of which if somebody's looking for a niche to start go on reddit and have a look and there's tools that will show you which reddits subreddits are um are popular and you can find your own niche and you get tons of questions tons of answers and you know an engaged audience i mean i wouldn't market to them straight away because they will eat you alive but it's a good place to find a a, a niche to start with yeah yeah and a lot of people 
a lot of people are, you know, like you're saying, using you wouldn't market to them straight away. But um, I've had outreach uh, people get a hold of me about, you know, specifically wanting to design. They're just going to sit in Reddit all day and find my relevant blog posts and try and drop them into Reddit subreddits and chats and everything. And that, I mean, that's their entire job now is just going into these Reddit subreddits chats i don't know i don't personally use it and dropping mm-hmm. relevant blog posts to drive to drive traffic. drive traffic someone's come up and that's their entire job that's their profession it's great to get an insight on the travel blogging world and especially the the travel food blogging world yeah we, we connected on twitter and i think you've like broken up with twitter now yeah I'm, I'm kind of divorced myself from a lot of social media i'm fairly active on instagram stories yeah. but um you know that that was another thing. I when I I did, what is making me money? And like I said, I had to let go of the press trips. I had to quit chasing all the money from social media and everything, and just kind of tighten up what is actually working and mm-hmm. divorce myself from the things that weren't being as successful because I was trying to chase, you know, eight different things at once, and now tighten my focus. Really, like I gotta know what's your top three foods meals. Uh, and what's your top three top, destinations? Top three meals or countries? That's a, six, or, that's a okay. six part question top. to end. <laughs> okay, a six part question. Um, you mean like specific meals? Yeah, yeah. If you want to say cuisines, that may be easier. Yeah. Cu- cuisines, yeah, that's easier. Cuisines would be uh, Italian, Mexican, and Vietnamese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are, I think, three of my very favorite. I, I, for a long time, I would have said Thai instead of Vietnamese, but then I lived in Thailand for quite a while and. Got, you know, Thai food is still very amazing, but now Vietnamese food is the one that is a little bit more exotic to me that I haven't had as much exposure to. It's but everything that I had, I, the, yeah, the month that I was in Vietnam, I don't even know what most of the dishes were. You just had a street food stall just like pointing, like, I'll have that, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm half Mexican, uh, you know, been based in Mexico for quite a while off and on now, so I'm very biased. Um, I, I think Mexican food is one of the greatest cuisines in the world. Not Tex-Mex. I mean, Tex-Mex is good, but you know, not the stuff Americans think of as Mexican food, mm-hmm. like actual real, me- real Mexican food. And then pff, Italian. Come on, it's Italian food. <laughs> it's just, it's they just know how to do it really well. And your top three destinations. Top three destinations. Yeah. Um, Mexico is definitely one of them. I'm a huge fan of Mexico. I would say the other one. Um, I loved Iceland. Iceland was so good. I would love to get back there. Now that I've been to Iceland in the summer, I want to go to in the winter for the ice caves. And the other one, off the top of my head, uh, if people have not been to the Azor Islands in Portugal, I wish that the Azor Islands in Portugal would get more famous. I think that uh, they're gorgeous, good food, good wine, amazing nature. Not super popular yet. I think there's one island that a cruise ship stops at, but the, the rest of them are like, kind of rather unexplored. Uh, it's a four-hour flight from the east coast of the United States, so it's not even that far. To you know, people think to get to Europe, it's going to be, you know, fifteen, sixteen hours or whatever. But um, people should check that out. The Azor Islands of Portugal. But I could also say, you know, I love the Philippines. I think the Philippines are insane. Yeah, um, Thailand, Indonesia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was in Madeira for a couple of months there during, earlier earlier this year, till recently actually, and the Azores were an hour away. And, yeah. But because of the COVID stuff, I didn't go. There was just something about it, and I ended up going back to the mainland. But I got a glimpse of what the Portuguese islands are like, and oh my God, so so beautiful. How uh, was Madeira? Good? Yeah, uh, gorgeous. Just 
Absolutely. Yeah, beautiful. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Portugal as a whole, the, the entire country, um, kind of, it's like the, you know, unpopular little brother of Spain. Like Spain gets all mm. the glory. Uh, but Portugal is amazing. Portugal is mm. beautiful country, good food, good wine, super nice people, lots of things to see and do. I think Lisbon is a very livable city. So I'm happy that, you know, it seems like in the past decade that Portugal is finally getting some of the limelight. It's exploding in popularity and the Lisbon locals are not very happy about it because, well, foreigners and digital nomads and tourists have pushed uh, property prices up. So I, I've read a bit about that. Yeah, that's no, what... It, it's just an amazing city and you know people want to go there so, so what can you do but uh... yeah my my friend that lives there that's what he said none of the locals can afford to live in the center mm -hmm. he's like mm -hmm. the the influx of expats and digital nomads has pushed every all the locals out of the center yeah well hopefully they can sort something out and maybe maybe post-covid it'll be a little bit different for them um appreciate the uh you taking the time for the chat and hope you're having slightly better weather than than we are stay in touch and um hopefully one of these days we'll catch up for that uh wine and some nice food sounds good I'd... stay in, stay in touch just not on twitter yeah yeah i i, I got that one all right thanks nathan all the best all right later man see bye it, see it.